Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. My name is Jordan Amias. I'm a coach in Toronto, Canada. Um I work with people who generally are at a place in their career where they are not sure what to do next. Um sometimes that means they want to quit a job, sometimes that means they want to shift careers, sometimes that means they just want to raise and they don't know how to go about getting it. Um but at all these places people are generally afraid to do something. So what um what i do is i work with people uh, in a way that allows them to um be with that fear and understand how to use that to move forward and to make changes that will um allow them to feel more fulfilled and more satisfied and um i guess have more meaning you know in their work and in their life yeah Wow, that's great! So, hello everyone. Welcome back to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life, um, the podcast that explores the mind-body connection and empowers you to create a life of greater well-being. So, as I always mention, uh, and it's always known to you, I'm your host Avik, and today we are diving into the topic that touches so many of us. like facing our fears and making bold choices in our careers and the lives so as you have uh, already heard uh, our guest today is jordan namias so jordan welcome to the show and thanks for that nice introduction my pleasure and thanks uh, thanks for having me lovely lovely so um, i mean i'm i'm definitely like uh, excited to dive into this uh, story and also but before that um, have you ever wondered uh, guys like uh, what you would do if you weren't afraid right so have you ever felt stuck in a career or the career path that doesn't align with your true passions well uh, our guest today is someone who knows exactly what those questions feel like so he is the coach consultant and in his own words a recovered lawyer who has made some fearless leaps in his own life and now helps others to do the same so let's without further ado let's dive deep into our topic today so uh, jordan like as a coach who helps people make scary decisions uh, how often do you encounter clients struggling with the career chaos and uh, feeling that overwhelmed i'd say it's most people i speak with hmm. i think that might be a part of um or a result of sort of my own background um you know as you mentioned i also i made a i made a jump 
from being a lawyer to not being a lawyer. Yeah. And that was a little scary. Um, you know, you do one thing for a long time and you start to believe that that's all you can do. Yeah. So, so for me, that was a bit of a scary jump. And I think that that attracts a lot of my clients, um, which is to work with somebody who um, was able to make a leap um, and do it despite being afraid of doing it. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to attract that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so, and so most of the people I work with are kind of at a place where they're like, Hmm, I know I need to change something. I don't know how, and I'm afraid to do it. Oh, got it. So, um, in your experience, like what are some of the biggest, uh, career, uh, stressors that led people to seek your guidance? Uh, the biggest one's burnout. So it's, um, doing, burnout can come in a few different ways, but generally speaking, it's, it's, uh, either working too much or it's not working too much in terms of hours, but, um, but in certain professions, it's thinking too much about work. Hmm. So being so focused on work and being so attached to the outcomes of your work that you are not able to focus on, let's say family when you're at home or, on your personal life, you know, when you're, let's say, not at work and outside of the home. Um, so that, that seems to be a big way in which people are, are struggling with getting through their days in terms of work. Um, but I also think there's another element of it, which is, um, which is and the, I guess the way I would describe this is, is sort of like a misplaced identity. And it's folks who are on a path. Oftentimes, these are professionals. So, you know, they're lawyers, accountants, um, maybe they're in some sort of entrepreneurial role. Um, and they've been doing this thing that they really thought they should do for so long, but they've been placing the other parts of them on the side. And over time, those, those things that they've really wanted to do for so many years start to shout and say, hey, like, you pay attention to me, right? Like I want to, I want you to do this. Um, and so that's when you see people kind of have these like crises where it's like, Oh boy, I've been doing this thing, but I really want to do this other thing. It's starting to come to a head. Um, and so that, I think that, I think that happens for a lot of people around midlife. Um, certainly did for me, but, um, but you see it at various points in time. Okay. Understood. So, um, and delving into the meditation, uh, for someone new to the meditation, especially uh, someone with a packed schedule, where would you recommend starting? I mean, um, are there any quick or effective techniques you suggest for busy professionals? Uh, yeah. I mean, the nice thing about meditation is you can start now. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do it anytime. Um, I think a lot of a lot of People, my clients, especially when we start working together, people seem to think that meditation means I need to like sit down on a cushion and I need to sit there for 20 minutes and not think of anything and not move. And, um, and where am I going to do that? Right. How am I going to do that? Um, and that's an easy reason to not do it. Right. <laughs> so the easiest way to start is to just begin. Um, I mean, it's cliche, but you know, the journey of a thousand steps begins with the first step. So if that means that you sit down in a chair for 10 seconds and breathe, great. Like that's, that's how you can start a meditation practice. Um, 
eventually my own practice, for instance, um, I do half hour a day. It's not, you know, like two hours of sitting practice a day, but that's okay. And I started off with like two minutes, you know, and it was just like, okay, I'm going to find two minutes. Anybody can find two minutes. I know it's hard, but you can find two minutes. Um, for me, the easiest way to do that, I have young kids. I start work early in the morning. For me, the easiest way to do that was to get up just earlier and do it before anything else was happening. Um, but for other people, that might be before bed. Uh, for other people, that might be on their lunch break. Like I have, I have one client who, for her you know, sitting practice, she does it between meetings when she knows she's going to have 15 minutes or so. Okay, great. So schedule that in the calendar. Um, but start small. I always, you know, I always say, if you can start small and then add a little bit of time and then see what happens, you know, be notice what comes up as you are doing this. Um, because when we tend to, you know, if let's say we want to climb Mount Everest, right. You don't just go to Mount Everest and start climbing. I mean, you're, you're going to die if you do that. So you got to practice first, like, you know, climb a very small hill first, then do a little bit of training. And then maybe you do a bigger hill. Eventually you can do Everest, but it takes a lot of time. Um, and that's part of the, you know, another important element of, of meditation practice, which is kindness, you know, meta, right? So really finding compassion for yourself in your meditation practice. It's okay. If you sit for two minutes and you think about work the whole time, that's going to happen sometimes right? Mm -hmm. It's okay if you sit for a half hour and you don't think about anything. I mean, that, I don't know how you can do that, but great. So, um, so it's, so there's a way to approach it, which is also very much like, in a, in a, in service of ourselves and, and, and in being kind to ourselves and doing it. Um, and I think that's the ultimate for me at least. And I think for a lot of my clients, that's, that's the ultimate benefit, mm -hmm. just learning to sort of see what comes up, not yeah. be judgmental about it and be okay. You know, I'll keep going. Okay. Got it. So, um, talking about, um, <clears throat> making the meetings mindful in that sense, um, what do you think? I mean, how can meeting, uh, meeting leaders set the tone, uh, for the mindful interactions and also, uh, ensure that everyone feels hard and engaged. That's a great question. Um, I think it starts with really what you're asking, which is in order to make sure people are heard, you need to listen. Yeah. So there are a few things that, that I work with folks to help them listen. Um, one is, one is meditation. And the reason why is because just going back for a second, if we can sit and observe, we get better at not responding to what's happening or at least creating some space. Yeah. Um, the second thing to do though, is that is to notice when you are with people. Yeah. So if you're in a meeting, notice that, um, if you're, tr if you're waiting to give a response, sometimes people, I'm sure you've done this. We all do this, right. Um, where we are talking to somebody, but we're really just thinking, okay, what am I going to say next? Right. So if you can catch yourself when you're doing that, that's great. That's the beginning of really truly listening to somebody and really hearing what they're saying, because not only do we then become much more open to what they're saying, 
And then we respond from a place of listening, but the person on the other side of the conversation, they know, you know, they're going to be able to tell that you, Oh, this person is really listening to me. Right. They're not just trying to say what they want to say. So that's a big one. Um, And I think to your question as well about teams and when you're in a larger scale meeting, so let's say it's not one-on-one I think it's important to set the example. So for instance, if I'm sitting at the head of a table and there are 10 people around me and one person is speaking, we can set guidelines. So number one would be to let's let people speak until they finished what they're saying. Right. But also to make a commitment to listen in a not judgmental way, to listen in a way that is fully listening. Um, This might sound a little ridiculous, but sometimes when I'm really listening to somebody, I imagine myself being kind of like, um, a satellite dish. And so like, I'll change, I'll change my posture and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll really just like a let what they're saying hit me. Hmm. Um, and that, that can be really impactful. And it also sends the body language to the people around me that I'm engaged. I'm listening. Got it. Understood. So, um, I mean, what are some of the creative ways to incorporate the short mindfulness exercises within the meetings to boost the focus and the energy? It's a good question as well. First one I would recommend is to set expectations uh, at the beginning of your meetings with a pause. So if you are either either if it's a one-on-one meeting or if you're meeting with multiple people, a great thing to do is to agree that before we start the meeting, we're going to just find some quiet and we're going to sit for, let's say 10 seconds. Right. And that's just to let everybody settle. Cause a lot of times, you know, we're running from meeting to meeting and we come to the meeting with like this energy of like, okay, let's go. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a time and a place for that, of course. But when we want people to be heard, we want to create the space in which they are allowing themselves to be honest, to be open. And so setting the expectation at the beginning of a meeting by at least just having a bit of a pause and showing the break between what happened before the meeting and then the beginning of the meeting can be really powerful. And then from there, another practice we can do is to actually then set the expectation for the meeting and say, okay, today we're going to cover this, 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 and this, and we can make requests. And so making requests are not the same thing as, you know, demanding this or stating so-and-so. It's more asking. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we're at the beginning of a meeting and, um, you know, I want people to, and I'm leading the meeting and I want people to, um, you know, each speak for a maximum of three minutes. That way everybody can say what they need to say. So I will make, instead of me saying, okay, here's the rule, right? I'll say, I want to ask everybody to please respect, you know, the following request, which is we each only take three minutes and let's make sure if we can, that each of us have an opportunity to say what we need to say. And then I'm also asking that each of us then respond, you know, in a similar fashion. Um, There's something about changing that language that allows people to feel safer and allows them to express themselves in a way that is truer to them. And that's the other part of really being heard, right? People are only going to feel heard when they are saying what they need to say. 
Um, so I think that's a really powerful way to do things. And, and, as, and that's just at the beginning of the meeting. Yeah. True. It's, it's, it's very, very true. I, I mean, uh, we, we always uh, face these things. Yeah. 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 I mean, you did it, you know, at the beginning of our call. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that made me feel a lot easier about having this conversation. So yeah. it's a good example. Thanks. So, um, also, if we talk about, so in every aspect, we have our personal experience also. And uh, in that sense, like, um, what are some of the biggest challenges people face when they're trying to cultivate that mindfulness in their work lives? And also, um, how can they overcome th those? The biggest one I see is I don't have time. <laughs> how how can I do this? I don't have the time to do this. Yeah. Um, so that's usually when I'll ask the question of like, okay, well, mm. prove to me you don't have the time. Like, show me this is your schedule. Okay. Are, are you actually moving nonstop from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to bed? I mean, the answer to that is always no. And so then, okay, let's, let's now look. Where can you make a commitment to put this into your schedule? And sometimes that's as, that's as, actually, I don't want to say sometimes, I think most of the time it's as simple as putting it in your calendar. Most of us have a calendar in our phone, on our computer, even if some people keep like a paper, you know, day book still, right? Hmm. But put it in the calendar, schedule the time. It's, if it's important to you, you'll do it. Just like if you go to the gym, okay. I schedule that. Or um, if you if you pray, right? Let's say you have a religious practice. Well, there's a schedule for that, right? So you know it's in your calendar and probably you stick to it because it's in your calendar. So I think that's one really important way to get past that objection. The second really, a second practical way to deal with it is to also, again, be kind to yourself and say, I don't need to jump to 10. I can start at one. Right, we don't we don't need to get to the end of the race immediately. It's not a race at all. It's a it's a practice, um, and we can always start again. Um, but the um, there was another way that I was uh, I was just thinking. It's escaped me now. It'll come back to me. But um, but there's another way of, of addressing you know bringing more mindfulness into our days, which is to be aware. So. This is a little different, but if we can, if we can over the course of the day, notice when we've been aware and when we've been mindful and then ask the question of, okay, I was mindful there. How did that feel? What did I learn from it? And what am I going to do with that? Right. Then that's actually like a, a more sort of natural way to start to build it into our, our lives. Um, and then we bring it into work, like into meetings, for instance, right? Because if we're already doing it by habit, Mm -hmm. then put it in. Um, or one last thing, I know I'm going on here, but you can also, if you really can't figure out a way to, to get your, let's say meditation practice or mindfulness practice into life, then attach it to other things you're already doing. So um, a great, an easy example is brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth twice a day, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an easy opportunity to be like, okay, well, I know I'm going to have to brush my teeth. I might as well use that as a, either a reminder 
or an attachment for a mindfulness practice. If that means that like, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to close my eyes while I brush my teeth and I'm going to like feel every tooth while I'm doing it. That's a mindfulness practice. So there are ways to kind of rig the system, um, but they can be helpful. Exactly. True. Definitely. Great. So uh, Jordan, I guess this is the uh, best uh, discussion I have ever had because there are a lot of things we, uh, on daily life, we face these kind of things and uh, it's it's really helpful. It's really helpful. And I, uh, I believe listeners will also agree with me that this is really going to help every one of us. So uh, thank you so much, Jordan, for sharing your uh, invaluable insights and the inspiring story with us today. So uh, I, I truly believe that incorporating mindfulness into our lives, both in the morning uh, and throughout the workday, can definitely be a powerful tool for finding calm amidst the career chaos. So, uh, and for the listeners out there, I would love to mention that, remember the journey to a healthier mind and the life starts with taking that first step, whether it's a five minutes of meditation in the morning or maybe a mindful approach uh, to your next meeting or simply taking a moment to breathe and reconnect with yourself throughout the day. Every bit of efforts counts. So do not forget to subscribe to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life for more insightful discussions, conversations, and the practical tips on creating a life of well-being, both the inside and outside of work. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please, please share it with your friends and the colleagues who might benefit from a dose of mindfulness in their lives. So until next time, take care and be kind to yourselves. Thank you so much.